When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome. Uh, so we're going to review the Unit 4 test. Remember, this covers Congress, the courts, uh, the president, and the bureaucracy. It's a 40-question test. Um, there's 36 questions on your review because there's a few repeat items. So I think committees is on there twice, not question-wise, but just topics of the questions. So uh, let's get going. Uh, first off, pork barrel. Uh, so pork barrel legislation, remember, these are our... Um, things in Congress that really only benefit um, a House member's district or a, a senator's state. So they push through legislation that maybe has some money tied to it that's going to benefit Gwinnett County or whatever district they're in. That's only going to really benefit their state. Uh, it could be a jobs bill that's going to provide jobs for the home district. Uh, so just any kind of resources or, or whatever it might be where a bill gets passed through and it really is not going to help anybody else in the country that's pork barrel now politicians congressmen like this because it allows them to, to really credit claim back home so um, <clears throat> they can come back and when they're campaigning they can say hey remember hr 500 that bill they got passed well i love that bill and look at all the jobs it created when we built that beautiful new park over there or, or whatever it is they did uh the rules committee so i went over this in class but just a reminder most powerful committee in Congress. It's only on the House side. There is no Senate Rules Committee, so don't forget that. And they are the ones that get the final look at a bill. Now, they don't get to make too many changes to the bill, but they get to set the agenda for the bill. So it's introduced. It goes to its appropriate committee. Once they finish up with it, they send it to the Rules Committee to set the agenda for debate. Remember, the House is very rigid. They only can debate for a certain amount of time and things like that. So the Rules Committee gets to take a look at this bill. And they get to decide, OK, we're going to put it on the agenda for this date. We're going to talk about it for this long. These are the people that can talk about it. This is how long each one of those people get. It's going to be an open amendment um, bill where we can add stuff to it on the floor. It's going to be closed where it is as is. So they get to make all those kinds of things. And they're going to work closely with the Speaker of the House, which is another powerful position. Differences in the House and the Senate. Remember, there's quite a few. We went over a whole long list, and it's been a long time since we went over this list, so you might want to refresh your memory. I'm not going to sit here and try and go over every single difference, but uh, remember the, the House is much more formal than the Senate just because of the size. Um, the Senate has the filibuster. The House does not. The House has the Rules Committee. The Senate does not. House has a germane requirement. The Senate does not. Senate has holds. House does. So there's just all kinds of differences. If you go back to that list, I think you'll be okay there. The filibuster, remember, this is a tool of the minority party uh, on the Senate only. So there is no House filibuster, only on the Senate. <clears throat> and this is where uh, the minority party is going to try and kind of put up a roadblock to a bill. Um, it's where you talk and don't give up your time. And so they're going to do this in order to try and delay action on other bills. Because remember, it's a tight schedule. You know, it's not that the, the Senate has to get a lot of stuff done in a short amount of time. And if you're sitting there spending two, three, four, five days on one bill, that's that's delaying everything else. So you're looking as the minority party to get concessions to maybe 
yeah, it says kilobill. I don't know how often that happens, though. It's more going to be, hey, we're not going to stop until you make this change or this addition or whatever it might be. And remember, you can stop a filibuster by making a cloture motion. All right. Cloture motion is a motion. Hey, we're going to stop debate. All right. That's all that is. And if it passes, then debate ends and you vote on the issue. You need to have 60 members of the Senate to say, yes, we want to end the debate. Right now, no one has that 60. So uh, the Republicans, in theory, can filibuster uh, whatever they want to. Committees, uh, remember there's four types. They're standing, conference, <clears throat> select, and joint. Con I mean, a uh, standing committee, those are those permanent committees. They are there from session to session. Uh, you know, the Rules Committee has been around since the 1700s. Um, they are permanent, all right? And this is where most of the action takes place on a, on a bill uh, is in the standing committees because every bill that's introduced on the House or the Senate is going to go to a specific committee. And that's where they'll do work on it. OK, the conference committee, remember, only pops up when there is a difference between the bills. So if the House passes uh, a bill that calls for 50 million dollars in spending and the Senate passes a bill that calls for 25 million dollars in spending, they can't send that on to the president because there's a difference. So they have to come together in the conference committee. So the members of both the House and the Senate would come together and try and work out the differences. Now, that spending might be easy to, to solve. So 25 million. 50 million, let's meet kind of in the middle and let's go 37.5 million or whatever it is. I'm, I'm thinking that's half. I don't know. Math is not my strong point. But anyways, they're going to, they'll, they'll make that change. And then it goes back to the House and the Senate. Once the conference committee though, sends something back, they typically will vote it on through. So uh, that's the conference committee. The select committee is a kind of investigatory uh, committee. So something has to have happened and they need to investigate. Like the Watergate scandal, they had a select committee. OK, um, the, the campaign finance reform stuff, they had a select committee. Now, they are separate. So there's House select committees and there are Senate select committees. There's not a, a select committee. So they're going to be separate uh, and they're not permanent, although they can last from session to session. So if they need to stick around for two, three, four sessions, uh, they can do that. Um, you, um, you could probably find one now. OK. Um, the, um, joint committees, these are a reporting committee and, and it'll be a joint session and they need to report something to the people. Um, so think of the, the 9-11, uh, commission report. That was a, a joint committee. All right. Um, in oversight. So oversight is a power that Congress has and it's, <clears throat> You're not going to have an oversight hearing before the full House, before the full Senate. It will be by the committees. And this is why we got back into that Iron Triangle thing. And I tried to stay out of the Iron Triangle because we've talked about it so much already. And you've already got, I think, an understanding of it. But remember, there are committees that deal with the, the agencies. Okay. So the oversight hearings will typically be in... Um, in these committee meetings, they'll call you in. So let's say it's an environmental issue. The environmental, if there's an environmental committee, which I'm sure there is, would call in the EPA director and question them. Why aren't you doing what this bill says? Why aren't you doing whatever? And that, that's going to be the first step is always these oversight hearings. You know, whenever there's a problem with the bureaucracy, let's call them in <clears throat> and let's question them. Let's find out what's going on before we do anything else. Impeachment. Remember, impeachment starts in the House. 
So the House will draw up the articles of impeachment. It just takes a simple majority to vote on them and say yes. Uh, they then send them to the Senate. The Senate is the ones that will have the trial. So you can be impeached without being kicked out. Remember that. Uh, so the Senate will have the trial and then they vote. All right. It takes a two thirds vote to kick someone out. We've never had a president kicked out. Um, we have had a couple of justices, uh, Supreme Court uh, judges uh, kicked out through impeachment. Court jurisdiction. <clears throat> this deals with the original versus appellate. Remember, the district courts have original. They are going to be the the courts where a case is heard first okay and then um the appellate okay that's the appeals that's your second chance uh, but they don't have a trial they're just going to review records district courts will never hear an appeal appellate courts will never hear a original case right always keep that in mind uh then the supreme court has both they have original and appellate jurisdiction where they can hear cases first they don't hear very many. About 98% of their cases are appellate. So that means only 2% are original. So it doesn't happen very often. Rule of four is pretty simple. If four justices want to hear a case, they're going to hear it. Remember, the Supreme Court gets to pick their cases. If four of them say, hey, we want to hear this case, then they will hear it. Uh, Marbury versus no, federal judges. So you just need to know the basics of the of federal judges. They are appointed by the president. They're confirmed by the Senate. They're appointed for lifetime terms to avoid political pressures. Uh, they can be impeached. Uh, their salaries can't be reduced and things like that. Marbury versus Madison. Uh, this was the court case that created judicial review. Uh, it wasn't a thing until Marbury versus Madison. Um, now, we're not going to get into the whole midnight judge thing, <clears throat> but that's where this comes from. And the Supreme Court decided, you know what? The whole Judiciary Act that this stuff is based on is unconstitutional. It's invalid. And so they blew that whole thing up and it gave them judicial review. The writ of Satori or whatever that Latin word is, this is just means the Supreme Court's going to hear your case. They look at every case that's appealed to them. They decide, do we want to hear this or not? If they decide they want to hear it, you know, a focused hearing, uh, then that's granting the writ, the, the writ of Satori. The Supreme Court, uh, group of nine, one chief justice, eight judges, eight judge justices. Uh, they get to make decisions. Um, you know about what cases they hear and then they will hear the case um same rules apply to them as far as they're appointed for life by the president confirmed by the senate and things like that all right gerrymandering remember this is where you draw lines and when i say you i mean the state state legislators get to redraw the lines every 10 years uh based on the, the population numbers and uh, gerrymandering can happen when they draw lines that might be unfair. And, and remember, this is something both Republicans and Democrats do, so don't think it's one side or the other, the one that's doing it. But when they draw lines that are unfair and they give an advantage to one political party over the other, that's gerrymandering. It is legal, okay? So it can't happen, but it has to be challenged. Or it, it, it's legal, but it can be challenged. So you can challenge the lines. And maybe not you necessarily, but you know, a group, someone will, will potentially challenge the lines. <clears throat> Maker versus Carr. Now, this is not a Supreme Court case. This is a, I mean, excuse me, no, I'm all mixed up. This is a Supreme Court. It is not a gerrymandering case. We tie it in with gerrymandering because it deals with redistricting, but it is not gerrymandering, okay? Remember, Baker versus Carr, uh, Tennessee had laws on the books to redistrict every 10 years. They weren't doing it. So we had a, a situation where a county, Shelby County in this case, had become uh, super populated and the representation was out of whack. So you had a lot of people 
and one representative <clears throat> versus some areas that had less people and one representative. So meaning the people where there was a huge population were underrepresented. Okay, they needed to make some shifts to balance it out. They hadn't. So they sued for that and the Supreme Court agreed with them. The important part though, remember, is the fact that up to this point, Supreme Court and the courts in general had stayed out of redistricting gerrymandering cases because you know, that's a political issue. We're not going to answer political questions. With this case, though, they decided to start taking those questions on. So this is why gerrymandering can be challenged. Uh, amicus curiae, those are just the friends of the courts. So if there's an issue uh, that you strong, feel strongly about, that you feel passionate about, uh, and it's going to go before the Supreme Court, let's say abortion, your pro-life, your choice, whichever side you're on, doesn't matter to me. But uh, you write letters to the court explaining why they should rule a certain way uh, on this case. Maybe you present some previous cases so they can use stare decisis. Remember, that's using former cases to make decisions with. Uh, but you just write letters and it gives them a, a window into the public. Right. This is how the people are feeling because they're super insulated. Remember, they don't have to worry about us. I mean, they have an idea, obviously, because there's so many outlets. But really, truly, they don't have to worry about what the public thinks. Fed 78, you did a discussion on it. Uh, this was about the, the Supreme Court and just the, the justice system in general. I remember it's, it was they, they considered the weakest because it could not. Um, it can't enforce its decisions. Uh, formal versus informal powers of the president. This is going to be one of those split uh, things where there's two columns. Just you have to match them up. Uh, remember some of the formal stuff. That's from the Constitution. So the president's commander in chief. The president can veto uh, pieces of legislation Congress sends them. Um, you know, that's formal stuff. Informal stuff, executive orders, executive agreements, the stuff that's not in the, the Constitution. Uh, presidential checks on the Congress. The big one is the veto power. The president can veto uh, pieces of legislation. Yeah, that's obviously the big one. Uh, but also remember the president has some informal advantages, and that's the bully pulpit. You know, they, they have that where they have access to the, the media. They have access to the American public that Congress just doesn't really have. Um, yes, people will pay attention and listen if the Congress, if a Congress person calls a, uh, a press conference, but not like with the president. People are going to pay attention when the president speaks. Uh, and that leads into the bully pulpit. I just said that. Uh, that's that ability to talk to the American people. You think FDR in the fireside chats. You know, uh, love him or hate him. Donald Trump in the social media with Twitter. You got to talk directly to the American people through that. Uh, that's just that bully pulpit. Signing statements. These are uh, the president's interpretation of a bill. So Congress sends it to them, they sign it into law, and then they say, this is how I think it's going to be or need to be uh, enforced. Lifetime appointments of judges. Why? Why are there problems? Well, why are they, we giving? Well, we don't want them to worry about how their decisions are going to affect their campaigns. So we don't want them to worry about reelection. That's the main thing. Uh, the problems with this is, you know, remember, lifetime. That means that people can stay on there for decades. OK. And so. The president that appoints them, their views are going to live on well past their terms. And so that's why it's such a big, that's why it's so uh, contentious oftentimes when we put, uh, especially Supreme Court justices on there, because they're the court of last resort. They get to make decisions that are going to affect the entire country and set policy for the entire country. The Hatch Act, uh, this just says the bureaucratic agents, bureaucratic agencies are not supposed to take part in politics and campaigns. And uh, yeah. Policy implementation, 
that's up to the bureaucrats. The bureaucracy gets the policies that Congress and the president create and sign. And then uh, the, the bureaucratic agents are going to be the ones that actually get down uh, to business and actually implement and enforce. The roles of the president, this is a very general one. Uh, just remember the, the seven roles that you did uh, with the president, commander in chief, chief of state, chief of the party, and things like that. Um, if you'll take a look at that, maybe take a look at that assignment. You should be in good shape for that. Uh, Congress over the bureaucracy. We've already talked about the, the, the two big ones a little bit, oversight and the budget. Remember, oversight are those hearings. It's going to be the first step to solving a problem with the bureaucratic agencies. Budget is another option. Congress controls the purse. That's a huge one. They control these budgets. If they want to take money away, they always have that option. Okay. Uh, they can modify the agencies. They can modify how they operate. Uh, they can make changes that way. All right. Uh, they can, you know, Congressional review is taking a look at the, the policies and deciding that's not what we intended and making changes. And then they can eliminate them altogether. Uh, there's a Nixon quote on the veto power. Uh, he vetoed the War Powers Act. So that's going to be, yeah, you, you'll read the quote and then I, it's a pretty simple question, I think. Checks on the bureaucracy. Uh, I kind of went over that and I, I probably should have not even put this one in there uh, because, you know, the, the Congress over the bureaucracy, the oversight, the budget, the modification, those things uh, go in line there. Remember the president, they, they get to appoint a lot of the, the department heads, the people that run the departments. Uh, they get to make recommendations about the budget. So those are some of the checks they have. Government corporation versus independent executive agency. Uh, I think on this, it's another one of those column questions. Uh, the government corporations are pretty simple. They are businesses run by the government. They're supposed to make money. The independent executive agencies, Remember, those are created to, to stay out of political dealings. You know, they they will work with the president, but they are independent of what the president. You know, the president can't go in and give them directives and things like that. I mean, they can, um, but it's up to the independent executive agency whether to take it or not. And some examples are NASA and things like that. The pocket veto. Remember, this is in a within a certain time frame. It, it only works if Congress gives the president a bill where they have 10 days before they are out of session. So there's only a, a very small specific time frame for the pocket veto to work. But if they do give them something at the end of a term at the end of a session, all right, uh, the president can sit on it and just let it die without without doing anything. That's the pocket veto. Uh, it's 12, 22, 25. So 12, that's going to be that change the, the vice president and the presidential role. Remember that election where John Adams was the president and his political rival and opponent was Thomas Jefferson. And he got the second most. So he became the vice president. That's not a good combination. Uh, and so they changed it to where they're going to separate that out. OK, 22. Uh, this is the term limits. So you can only serve two terms or 10 years. And we talked about that in class where a vice president can take over for the president. With less than two years left, it doesn't count as a term. So they would get those years plus potential of two terms. If they take over with more than two terms, it does count. I mean, at two years, it does count as a, a term. And then 25 is the line of succession plus the presidential disability. The VP, remember their one constitutional job is the president of the Senate. They don't do that. But remember, they also play a huge role and they are very active nowadays because they are next up. And it's important to be in the loop and they are at every meeting and they do all that kind of stuff. All right. They're not they don't just sit in their their offices. And play on their computer, send out emails, play solitaire, stuff like that. All right. They are involved, heavily involved and they play an active role. Uh, now, also remember, they are the, the, 
the balance on the ticket uh, where if I'm one way, I want to have someone who's a little bit different than me. I don't want to have someone uh, who's from the same geographic region who's, who's like me politically. I want to have someone that's different. Examples of independent executive agencies, and remember, I added regulatory agencies. Uh, that's on the test, so there are there are examples of both. Uh, the executive agencies I already did the one: NASA, CIA, you know, the regulatory agencies, Federal Reserve, uh, FCC, places like that. Uh, bureaucratic actions. Remember, they enforce and they implement laws. Uh, they can fine people. They can arrest people potentially. Uh, and all those kinds of things. And then finally, the Speaker of the House, that is the most powerful position in all of Congress. Uh, right now, currently Nancy Pelosi, and you know, she runs the House. Okay, she sets the agenda for the House, uh, working with the Rules Committee. Um, if, if a bill is, is not something that she wants passed, then she works with the committees to kill it, okay, or can work with the committees to get it killed. Um, you know, sets the rules, uh, sets committees, set committee chairs, just a very powerful position. All right. Okay, guys, there's the test. Whether you take it today, remember it opens at 1230 on Thursday, uh, April 1st, or if you take it tomorrow on Friday, April 2nd, it does not matter to me. You can take it. Uh, whatever you do, though, I hope you have a great spring break. I hope you take a break. Unless, of course, you have makeup work to do, then do your work and get it turned in. So I can give you some kind of grade for it, some kind of credit for it. But uh, seriously, though, I hope you have a great spring break. Stay safe. Stay alive. Stay out of jail. All those kind of good things. Uh, follow the CDC guidelines if you're traveling and just be careful out there. And uh, come back to us on the April 12th and we'll grind through to the end here. All right, guys, y'all take care and I'll see you later.